Master Tavern Keeper's History of the Old World. So, that was the Forge of the Old Ones then. What a mysterious place. What treasures must it hold? But there is still one more place that we've been uh, dancing around. Somewhere you seem to have mentioned, uh, in reference to almost, well, everything you've told us about so far. Ugh, you must mean the Beast Peaks. Ah, actually, I was referring to the, uh, the Citadel of Lead. But, uh, well, why don't you tell us about these uh, beast peaks first, then? Just what are they? Oh, well, in essence, they're the foremost mountain range in all of Albion. Her backbone, if you like. A hunched clump of treacherous mountaintops spread across the interior of the isle like a gnarly scar. The slopes themselves are smothered in low cloud and hidden from view by incessant rain and storm, to the point that uh, no one knows how high the highest peak even is. Oh, yeah, yeah, but uh, why are they called the Beast Peaks? Ach, Heinrich, did I not mention this earlier? Well, in essence, it's because of all the beasts that live on the peaks there. Are you taunting me, Master Alchemist? Ach, I'm just playing. But it is. It's covered in monsters from high above the clouds down into the dank, dark caverns that riddle the bedrock far below. Although, that is not all that lies down there. Vast riches and powerful artifacts are also rumoured to be hidden within the deep passages that crisscross the beast peaks. But uh, most regular Albanites, uh, apart from the uh, beast hunters, avoid them like the plague, giving them a wider berth than they give the uh, great Ogham. But it is uh, pretty much for the same reason. Superstition. Many everyday folk believe that the peaks lead to the realm of the deities, and the constant storms that are uh, that plague the place are a result of the fighting between these gods and goddesses and whatnot. They uh, also see the monsters that infest the mountains as either their uh, avatars or uh, their minions, enforcing their patron's will into the land of Albion itself. And uh, are they wrong in this belief? On some levels, yes, but on others, no. For the, uh, for the avatars and prophets of the gods are all about us. Why, just look at your master tavern. Ha! Yeah, kick missed that time, Septimus. As to whether my kick landed or not is irrespective of the point. You get my intent. That is not a discussion for now. What? What is going on here, master tavern keeper? Ah, now, Heinrich. Well, let's make a deal. I promise to tell you all about it. But not yet. I will spill the beans upon what uh, Cedric has been alluding to upon your return from killing the usurper Marco Broglio. How does uh, how does that sound? Oh, yeah, I see. Well, uh, I suppose I can be patient. But uh, you made a promise. I will not forget. Ah, yes, indeed. 
Well, I promise. Now, let's change tack. Cedric, you just told us about what the uh, perception of the peaks is by the men and women of Albion. But what of the giants? You uh, briefly mentioned earlier that many giants frequent the beast peaks. Oh, yes, that's right. For the giants, the mountains are a great hunting ground. A place to match their strength against the worst that the island can throw against them. And this battling against the odds has now become an annual tradition amongst the tribes of giants. Something known as the uh, Great Hunt. It is the giants equivalent of a festival, although rather than chariot racing and uh, javelin throwing, each competes against the others to try and catch and overcome the largest and mightiest creature that they can. But uh, just like the game that Og Agog, giants travel the length and breadth of Albion to compete, so it draws them all to the beast peaks. You can tell when the Great Hunt is on because the sound of thunder and rain is interspersed with the bellowing voices of the competing giants. Now, if you recall, I said that I'd never, ever heard of a giant of Albion dying of old age. The Great Hunt is the reason, for each year we lose some of our giant protectors in the contest. Some are killed fighting one of the ancient dragons awoken by all the noise, or perhaps uh, they uh, end up rolling off a cliff wrestling a particularly ferocious manticore or griffin or something. Whatever, year by year, the great hunt prunes the wild thicket that is the race of giants. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, so what about your most famous giant then? Old Bologs. Does he take part? Och, he most certainly does. Now, if you recall, at the attack on uh, Bowler Hat by the giants Markle, Gremmick and Bologs, it had been one of our best giant whisperers, the venerable Chengus the Younger, who was sent forth to chaperone Bologs away from the tent city. As I mentioned then, the family of this particular truthsayer had had a long history with old Bologs, and it was actually his great-grandfather, Hengus the Elder, as well as his own grandfather, Hengus the Younger, that had accompanied Bologs on a number of great hunts up in the Beast Peaks. These had seen Bologs defeat the Chimera of Caradog's Crack, the Manticore of Manic's Mound, and the Cockatrice of Conwaldo's Cliff. But by far the most famous feat that was uh, witnessed by uh, one of his family was by his own father, Chengus the Elder. For it was Chengus the Elder who had witnessed Bologs fight against the great sea monster, Grabdel up in Giant's Causeway at the western end of the Beast Peaks. Oh, really? But uh, what's this Giant's Causeway? Ah, well, in the west, the Beast Peaks slowly become smaller and smaller as the range heads towards the coast until it peters out into the Giant's Causeway. Now, this whole area is dominated by volcanoes and volcanic activity, creating new peaks for the mountain range. Over that way, you get geysers galore, red hot springs, gigantic pools of bubbling mud, hot rocks that scald a man where he stands, rivers of lava, deep pools of magma, and great concourses made of pillars upon pillars of volcanic rock. Ah, basalt, I think you mean. That's what the elves call it anyway. Ach, do they now? That sounds like a bit of trivia that you've uh, no doubt learned from your friend, Calhordis Whitemane. Am I right? Ah, ah, ah. Indeed, 
You know me too well, dear friend. Ugh, I thought so. Anyhow, a very large number, nay perhaps even the majority of the giants of Albion, live in the volcanic caves there. They seem to revel in the sweltering heat of the place, and are endlessly entertained by the volcanic eruptions. I guess though, it is a lot warmer there than anywhere else in Albion, so there is that. And their natural hardiness means that they're well suited to living in such conditions. The nearby tribes of men have grown accustomed to the giants on their doorstep, and the great hunts that the giants undertake have brought benefits for the locals, for they kill most of the monsters that would otherwise threaten their villages. Indeed, many of the Albionites out west there are so grateful for the giant's protection that they sew together the hides of the slain beasts and gift them to the giants to use as clothing. Anyhow, back to uh, Chengus the Elder. Like his forebears, Chengus too had sought out Bollocks and resolved to follow him, lending what aid he could. For it is foretold that for as long as Bollocks walks the land of Albion, no harm shall befall her. Now, on that particular beast hunt, Bollocks had set off from the giant's causeway in high spirits, with Chengus following behind, trying to keep up with the giant. When I was back at the seminary, Chengus used to recite the tale of his time on the Beast Peaks in something he called the Song of Bollocks and Grabdel. For us young novitiates, uh, it was a particular favourite on winter nights, and we all uh, were so enraptured by it, we had it committed to memory in no time. It went something like this. The Song of Bollocks and Grabdel. Listen, friends and countrymen, and speakers of what's fine and true. Will you please listen to a good old song of mighty bollocks and the blue? Wide open ocean's menace, Grabdel, black serpent o' ice and sea, who came evilly unto our shores, hell-bent upon a murderous killing spree. Twas when I, Chengus, travelled with the giant across the beast peaks, and in that long shadow, chilled sweat hot, walked behind for weeks on weeks, and saw his many fine victories his triumphs and his great feats, but also his bitter disappointments, both those large and those discreet. First he fought a pride of Demigris, out near Dark Maeve's hill. Bollocks snapped the neck of their queen, but as he went in to take his kill, the rest of the pride set upon her, beaks locked into flank fore and face, and dragged her lifeless body away, outrunning his lumbering pace. Next in the depths of forlorn forest did Bollocks battle against his worm, and all day and all night did they fight, fight, bite, fall, twist and turn, until finally at the ford of Afon Kandan did Bollocks cast down his coiled foe, only for the fast waters of the old river to sweep her away into the valley below. And so the summer waned, and Bollocks had no proof of his defeated prey, and with a heavy heart he began to trudge back to the giant's causeway. But it was not to the cheers that always accompanied the end of the hunt that he came, Instead it was to the angry shouts of the giants as blood frothed upon the waves. It was Grabdel the Black Beast, borne back on Ulthwan's cliffs and ocean, and reforged in the depths of the Black Arks by spell and vile dark potion. The beast had beached itself upon the rocks, snapping and biting at all in reach, drawing blood from the tribes of giants like a gory ebon leech. And although they fought with stone and axe, fist and club and boulder, Grabdel tore each opponent too from hip through gut to shoulder. Bollocks, roared mighty Bollocks, and up the cracky rock he sped. 
grabbed the loose slab of rock and threw it, striking sharp at Grabdale's head. It caught the beast below the eye, cutting deep the soft flesh there, and Grabdale stopped his rampage to give mighty Bollocks a deathly stare. The beast dragged his bloated form inland towards Bollocks' craggy rock, and Bollocks jumped up and down and crowed like the morning cock. Grabdale threw its weight against the crag, causing great chunks to fracture and fall, and Bollocks grabbed each one and hurled it, causing Grabdale to spawn. Battered and bloody became the visage of Grabdale, and fury consumed it whole, and it crashed over the crag to reveal beneath a deep, dark sinkhole. Bollocks was thrown far by the collapse, and landed hard, and remained still. So took up my staff of light and ascended the nearby rock-strewn hill. I summoned the winds of magic, and they brought forth with it the gift of life. And Bollocks glowed with lambent light back off the blade of death's knife. The sinkhole did not remain silent long, and a plume of poison gas erupted forth. Grabdell writhed in the miasma and shuddered, promptly falling to the floor. Bollocks picked himself up and ran to the unconscious sea beast, and began to push it towards the hole, though it moved not in the least. Bollocks! shouted Bollocks, and the other giants hearkened to his call, and they joined Bollocks in pushing, and into the hole did Grabdell fall. Bollocks! He shouted once again, and the others joined in his cry. Bollocks! 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 They shouted, arms raised up to the sky. And so, that was the tale of Bollocks and Grabdal. But I think perhaps... That's enough on the old uh, beast peaks, don't you think, Septimus? My uh, my throat's a bit dry as well. <laughs> ah, no doubt. Although I've a remedy for that.